Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, I am Mark, and I am an I am a abstinent compulsive overeater and food addict. Um, <clears throat> I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be here with you all. Um, I should mention that uh, when I came into this program, I was 519 pounds. Uh, that was on April 18, 2007, which is also my abstinence date. So I just last week um, celebrated 16 years of abstinence, which quite frankly is a miracle for me. Um, you know, when I before I came in this program, you know, my my portion size really was whatever I could get my hands on. You know, I, I've heard say, you know, bag, box, and carton were portion size, but in reality, if I really look back, it was whatever I could get my hands on. And maybe when the funds ran out, or maybe when I was, you know, um, when I had eaten so much that I could barely walk, you know, that, you know, that, that may have been my stopping point. But the, the reason I bring that up is, is, you know, it's a miracle for me to look back. And it's important. I, I think it's an opportunity, a gift for me to be able to kind of take this moment and look back and realize that over the past 16 years, you know, um, my food plan, I have a lot of structure to my food plan. You know, and, and rightfully so, because it was, it's the exact opposite, you know, uh, of, of where I was when I came in here. I had no boundaries around food, and now I have healthy boundaries. It's right size. My food plan is around humility. It's no greater than, no less than. It's not gluttony, and it's not deprivation. And so the fact that for 16 years, I have eaten probably, the, I've eaten about the same, the, the same amount of food within maybe tenths of ounces. Right. You know, I, I weigh and measure all of my food. It's just what I do. It's what I do. Right. And I will share, too, that um, and, and I should say that, it, you know, because we're doing this online, normally I would show my, my photo, but I don't have you can't really do that, you know, via phone here. Um, at least the technology is not here yet. Um, but uh, um, I, uh, I had a 78 inch waist when I came in and I have a 36 inch waist now and I still have my extra skin. That did not go away. It doesn't snap back. So that's still there. Um, and I should share that this is this is my story, my own personal journey. Please take what you need and leave the rest. If I say something that's not aligned with what your sponsor has given to you, please go with your sponsor. Um, so what I was like, just I'm, I'm going to try and go through this relatively quickly, but I, I also don't want I want to make sure I give it the power or the importance that it had. So when I was very young, my childhood. I cannot remember a time that I was not a compulsive overeater. You know, I, I lived in a very close family physically, but not really emotionally, right? My father was an alcoholic and he just little by little by little, you know, disengaged from the family a bit, you know, and, and, and you know, I didn't even know he was an alcoholic. I mean, it didn't really matter. And my mom was a compulsive overeater. She actually took me to my first handway when I was in the ninth grade, you know, God love her. She was really trying to help both of us, you know, and <clears throat> but but again, you know, like the one thing that I have to say that was like present that whole time. I say this all the time. Fear tends to fall into three buckets, not getting what I want, losing what I have or being found out. And I believe that that's that's kind of there's truth there. But I, I don't know. There could be more. But I, I really believe not getting what I want, losing what I have, being found out. But for me the very pervasive one in that, all of those fire off from me, 
all of those are in my life and powerful, but the one that was the most powerful was being found out. I had a God-sized hole. I did not believe that I measured up, and every one of my actions in this disease were built around that. So, you know, uh, I was in in ninth grade, as I mentioned, you know, I I was picked on at school. I was bullied, you know. Um, I, I, I basically struggled through my childhood and early years. Heck, I struggled all the way up until I came in this program, to be really honest with you. I was lost. I was out there lost. And, and, and you know, like, like I really wasn't, I really never connected with anyone. This whole thing of being found out just pulled me away from life. If I, if I drew a circle, right, and that circle was God's world, I put myself out of that world, right? And that, that was devastating for me. And I made that choice. I remember, I remember being in high school and, and, and you know, losing that weight. Like I, I, I was weighed 200 pounds in, in ninth grade. I lost that weight in the pay and weight. So I went down to 150, you know. I felt at that point, I was like, okay, that's it. I, I, my problem was that I was overweight and now I'm not, over, I'm, now I'm not overweight and I'm gonna be okay. And, and, and so I reached out and tried to like look at, to try and like have some of that life that I never had that I really wanted inside, but yet I kept myself from. And, and here's what happened. Life in front of me happened. It was just life. But to me, to me, because it was difficult, it validated what I thought about myself, that I was not okay. And then I shut down. I pulled myself back. I pulled myself out of that, out of God's world. God did not do that. God is always there. I shut the door. And I remember at that time saying to myself that I will not have these things that everybody else in their life has, these friends and, and you know, go dating and, and, and go out to parties and things like that, that I was meant to be on the outside of life looking in. And here's the crazy thing. I made it my brand. I made it my identity. And I actually tried, you know, I made it in a way where I, I basically like tried to find good in that, that I was some sort of a struggling artist and I'm supposed to have the pain because the pain makes me better, right? I was lost. I had no higher power. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that. That's not true. So, you know, I, um, when I came in this program, I thought there was faith or no faith and I did not have faith. But what this program taught me, what this program taught me, and this talks about what I had just said there, is that it isn't faith or no faith. It's where is my faith. I either have faith in my higher power or I have faith in the lies that I'm telling you myself about myself and the world around me. So faith, you know, step three, which is really going to be kind of my topic for this thing, is really important because it's like, it's like, where is my faith in this moment? When I'm struggling, where is my faith? Is it in self-reliance or God-reliance? Am I in self-will? Right? Where is my faith in that moment? You know, and so, so the faith that I lived by, the distorted belief system that I put into action every day was fear and lies about myself. And I got very good with living with the crumbs that I gave myself. So, you know, I lost 150 pounds. I gained up the, I gained that weight back and went beyond. I went to 250 pounds before going into college. I went down to 175 pounds. 
by the time I got out of college, it was, I was 300 pounds. That was my pattern. Now, I will say once I got out of college, it was just a slow climb up. I don't know that I really went down very much after that, right? This was around 1990. I was 300 pounds, and I just, you know, I was struggling. I went in to work with a God-sized hole, went into college with a God-sized hole. You know, I had a sponsor that told me, Mark, you come into every relationship with a deficit. And he's right. But that was the faith. That was faith. Faith that I was not good enough which was a lie. And this program has taught me that. You know, there's a thing, there's a saying in the program and there's a, a new pair of glasses, right? But the full part of that is like, okay, so, so when I came in the program, I got, I got a pair of glasses and that was acting on life instead of reacting to it. And it was a beautiful kind of recovery thing for me. But as I went further in the program, I realized that there was another pair of glasses. I was okay all along. I just didn't know it. And so here I am at work just thinking I'm not, you know, with no higher power other than, you know, the lies that I told myself about myself. I never let anybody in to challenge that, right? You know, step three asked me to let some other force process people people or person, a power greater than myself, guide my recovery. I had none of that. So I stayed stuck. There's a thing, there's a saying in um, like a, a passage in Freedom from Bondage in the big book on page 547, 548. It says, the thing that made the willpower possible was the knowledge that as soon as the day was finished, I could drink myself into oblivion. Inside, though, I was scared to death. Maybe I wouldn't be able to hold any job. And I can take that saying around so many parts of my life. You know, I'm recovering from that today. I lived 42 years in the middle of that lie. But I was given a gift when I came in this program. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And the thing that changed is I came in this program. You know, in our, in our, our way 12 and 12, one of the things it says in there is, I came to OA. I came to OA. And by my coming, my, my coming to OA, that was my first step really into step one. But it was also my first step into step two, and it was also my first step into step three. Acting as if, willingness, right? So, so I, I'm going to jump way far ahead here and, re, and, and get to where I hit bottom. So, you know, this was essentially in 2000, you know, 2006. Um, a year before, I, I basically, I could barely walk. I couldn't buckle the seatbelt in my car. I was too big to fit in the seats at movie theaters and booths and restaurants. I, I went to game, a gaming event, like uh, this gaming event, this, this pleasure that I had, and I broke two chairs in front of people. The first one I broke and fell. The second one I got up, they gave me a new chair. I sat at it, and I could feel it crack. And I got up, and I stood up the rest of the whole event. And people were like, don't you want to sit down? I'm like, no, I'm good. I can see better up here. But the fact of the matter is, is it was excruciating carrying that weight around and standing up for more than an hour, right? Um, I isolated myself terribly out of shame and the fear of humiliation. They're going to find out. I was unable to really truly administer self-care. I couldn't really keep myself clean. That's a tough thing to talk about, but that was true. And then 
here's the thing. It was in around, I guess, a, a spring of, of 2006 that I was in a hospital and I was told I was in the hospital. I went in because I thought I was having a heart attack. And by the way, it took me a long time to get in there. That's how, that's how much I resisted. And so when I went in there, it was really, my blood pressure was crazy out of control. But, but three doctors stood in front of me, cardiac doctor, a pulmonary doctor, general practitioner. That's a lot of money standing there in front of me. And they said, I was told by those three doctors that I would die if I continued doing what I was doing. Right? If you keep doing what you're doing, you are going to die. And here's the thing. I say this all the time in this, when I share. I had to tell myself I needed to be scared of what they were telling me, of death. But that's not what I was scared of. I was scared of the fact that they knew what a wretched person I was. 519 pounds, well, at this time I was like 500 pounds, I think, somewhere in there, a little below that. That I was this person that couldn't control his life, that was worthless, that was whatever. This is what was going through my head, and this was a lie. The second thing, and the more powerful thing, if I have to even say that with the first two that I just said, was I, I was so terrified of what they were telling me to do. I didn't know how I could live without my compulsive eating, without my friends. This, this recovery process is a grieving process, right? It's a grieving process. I am letting go of, of what other, other people could do things I can't. That's a big, huge thing. I'm an, I'm, I, I am a compulsive overeater. That's a big thing to face, and it's okay. It's just a thing I have. That's it. This is just something I picked up. It's like diabetes in a way. I rested on a daily basis. It doesn't get cured, right? But anyway, what that did was, you know, I took their food plan they gave me. Again, another food plan without anything working on the real problem. Because here's the thing. Food was not my problem. Food was my answer. It just happened to be the answer that was killing me, right? So what happens? What happens when you take away the thing that you're using to medicate yourself? If you want to know about powerlessness, just take it, take something away, right? And when I go on these kind of plan of eatings, I take it away and I'm miserable. I'm a dry drunk. That's essentially what it is. I'm a dry, a dry compulsive overeater, right? You know, and so I did that for a little period of time and it found me in a hotel room a month later eating enough food for a family of probably eight, six to 12 people. I don't know. It was a lot until I could not walk. But what happened in that moment, which was so important for me, was I finally for the first time said, I can't. I can't do this without help. You know, and, and, and that, there's courage in that to say that, you know, to myself. And it took me a year to kind of get around in a way. Thank you very much. It took me a year to get around and I kind of basically, I got into this program through treatment center. And, but here's the thing, I was in treatment center. It was great. I got a food, I got a nutritionist that understands this disease. I got a lot of help and strength and stuff, but here's the deal. I was only there for two and a half months. The beauty of that thing was they brought me to OA. I, my first meeting I went into, I didn't even know I was going into maybe two hours before that, which was important because then I couldn't turn back and run. Right. So, <clears throat> so so anyway, I came into OA, and let me just tell, talk a little bit quickly about step one, two, and three. Step one, honesty. Look, the first thing I needed to do was to thoroughly complete step one. And in some ways, I did that because I got the gift of desperation. But here's the thing. Addiction is a disease that tells me I don't have it. 
that's honesty. Addiction is the disease that tells me I don't have it, right? I, the person suffering from it, was the last to know the full extent of the problem. The first thing they had me do when I was in treatment, the first thing I had to do that my sponsor was working with me was write a story around my disease. For the first time in my life, I looked at that. And that was important because it was the first thing of, I can't. So the second thing is, listen, step two was I did my best on step two. That's it. I acted as if. Step two was hope. And I want to read something. When I first came in the program, uh, in, our, in our four today, we have a reading on, pay, on April 15th when I was in that transition of, of like almost three days away from my first meeting. And, and it says this. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words that never stops at all. A hopeless compulsive overeater is the way I describe myself when I came to OA. I was sure nothing could save me. Today I know no, no one is without hope. Indeed, the best hope is in the very admission of hopelessness. I got the gift of desperation and I got a chance. And this brings me kind of to step three. All I need to do to begin step three is to be willing. Willingness is at its heart. Willingness. With, without willingness, I have no program, right? And the thing I want to kind of talk, like finish up in this thing is, is that, is that essentially action is a concrete form of willingness of surrender, right? You know, my problem is not food, as I said before. My problem is powerlessness. The solution is a power greater than myself. How do I get that power? Through a program of action. And that is what I operate on every day. And I have to keep coming back to that, right? I, I'm rest, arresting my disease. It's like diabetes. I'm arresting it on a daily basis. It doesn't go away, right? And I have to remember that, you know, step three is about faith. So faith in what, right? Is it faith in God or is it faith in the lies that I'm telling myself about myself and the world around me? Because the opposite of all of this is self-will run riot, right? You know, you know when, we look at, when we look at the text of, of step, step three, made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of a God as we understood him. I, I'm a very visual person and I cannot help thinking of a coin that on one side of it says willingness and on the other side of it says willfulness. Faith, willingness. No faith or faith in the, in the lies that I tell myself about myself and the world around me, my, my anti-higher power, the lower power, if you will, that's about will, willfulness. I, I have to remember that my ability to make healthy choices, you know, is, is impaired. It's hijacked my brain. And so when I'm in those moments, like I have to like look at that coin and think about that coin and like here I am in this moment. I can be willful or I could be in willingness. Like what would God have me be in this moment? Nothing changes if nothing changes. And, and if there's one thing I learned in this, and listen, those struggles that I go through can be a compass. They are, they are God talking to me. Resistance is like a compass. Fear is like a compass. I tend to resist those things the most in my soul evolution. So if I want to know what I, where I need to go, the direction I need to turn over, which means 180 degrees, which means goes in the opposite direction, all I have to do is look at what I'm resisting. 
and then I have a chance because then I get busy. And all I have to do, and I'll end on this, is just come. That's time. Thank you very much. Thank you all for, for letting me share.